Welcome, you are listening to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast, where you'll hear fun, relaxed, and inspirational interviews with people who are really living the dream. I'm Dawn Fleming, an attorney turned alchemist, and your host for the show, coming to you from the tropical island paradise of Isla Mujeres, Mexico. Listen to conversations with courageous souls who've stepped out of their comfort zone and designed a new way of life. They'll share their experiences, wisdom and offer practical steps you can take to redesign your life overseas. Listen and you'll believe if you can dream it, you can achieve it. So today I am with a dear longtime friend, Camelia. Um, we worked together, oh gosh, a couple of decades ago, I guess we first met. And um, I just found out recently that she's been living in Mexico. And I said, oh my gosh, I have to interview her. And I uh, know that she's Canadian and this was not her first overseas move. So I wanted to delve into that. But thank you, Kim, for um, taking some time to talk to me today. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. It's always exciting to talk about living abroad or living elsewhere and, and being, uh, I would say, having complete freedom. That's what it's all about to me. Complete freedom. <laughs> Amen, sister. <laughs> I couldn't have said it better. So um, I always kind of like to start at the beginning. And, and we talked a little bit uh, about it uh, before we uh, started the interview, but it sounds like you uh, come by your travels, I guess, uh, relocation, honestly, with your mom, you said she had yeah. traveled a lot. And is that kind of what you attribute to your uh, bravery to your, your, yeah. you know, the funny thing is I've really been, um, I probably lived up to the age of 18 in one spot, like in one house for maybe two to three years. So I have completely moved my entire life. And that doesn't mean I've moved countries. Now in Canada, we moved all over the place, right? Um, but yes, my mom, you know, she is just a gypsy. She's a free bird. And, and I love that about her. And so she's been living abroad um, for many, many years. And every time she did that, so she would do six months as an esthetician in Canada and six months and try to figure out where she wanted to retire. Smart woman. Um, I would follow her. So on my vacations, I would go to Costa Rica and Nicaragua and Belize and Guatemala and Mexico. So uh, when she finally picked this spot in Mexico, um, she just fell in love with it. She had researched it, researched it, never found her home yet. She always found great places. I mean, I think you can always find great places, but there's a difference when you find a home. And when she um, really wanted to find her home, she found her home here. And we came to visit her just literally because she actually wasn't doing too well with her health. I had a, uh, one of her friends email me and say, hey, listen, um, your mom's not doing so well. She probably won't tell you. So we decided just to hop on a plane from San Diego, come here, see her. And my boyfriend at the time, who's now my fiance, uh, was living in Florida. He had moved to San Diego with me. And, um, and, and when my mom, you know, basically said, come and help me. And then we, moved, we came here. He said, just so you know, I would live there. And, and I'm like, you would live in Mexico? Like, he had a hard time moving from Florida to San Diego just because he had lived there for over 30 years of his life. So moving to Mexico, I was like, what? It actually took me extra time to say yes more than him. And it was obviously because my mom, I would say yes, no matter what. But it was a, it's, a, it's a move. You know what I mean? It wasn't like, hey, we're moving for a week. Um, it's not like we're moving. We're going to on vacation either. When you make a decision like this, for me, it's, it's a decision. It's, it's a, it's a couple year commitment at least, you know what I mean? And, uh, and plus I got rid of everything, Don, you know what that's like? I mean, literally I was a single, I just, I recently had been divorced. And, um, so I went to, 
San Diego and breathed everything, right? My apartment was full of all just Kim's stuff. And so when we decided to move to Mexico, for him, it's easy to get rid of my stuff. But for me, I was like, but this is all like just me stuff. And I think you learn a lot of lessons and you could be asking me more questions about this, but you learn a lot of lessons about detachment, about how attached you are to material things. And I think even as hard as that was or challenging as that was, it proves the reason why I needed to do it was because I was so attached to things that really didn't matter. Um, and, and, I, and, and I think that's the beauty of it all. And when I, when I said true freedom, what I mean by true freedom is, is, you know, we don't have a lot. I mean, I have a television, right? But I don't have a lot of either social media or the television coming in to me. I don't have, you know, all these other places or I've got one fast food place where I live. I don't have a lot of outside influences that really influence me. I get to influence myself and I get to be in my community more. I get to, to, you know, be with my family I move my dad out here with his wife uh, just before COVID. Um, so that was nice. So there's just, to me, it just, it's freedom because I didn't know how attached I was to just BS stuff. Wow. That's uh, that, that's a, a great observation. I mean, it's something that, that people deal with obviously on a regular basis when, like you said, when you are contemplating a move like this, but I don't think until you actually start going through it, you really get that part of it, right? I mean, it's all theory until you are starting through that process. And it's funny, I mean, is I'm thinking about, you know, some of the, the folks that I work with in the academy, you know, they're like, oh yeah, this is this is all good. And, you know, having the plan and now, you know, uh, this one couple I'm thinking of in particular going from five years to 18 months. And I asked her, I said, you know, how's the fear? And she's like, man, she goes, even though it's all planned out and it's all strategic and, you know, I know this is what I want. Like it, the stuff comes up. Right. And, and so I think that is a good point. It, it, that's probably one of the hardest parts about the whole move, the, the logistics, the, you know, the actual pulling it off is not as hard as that inner conversation. Right. Okay. Yeah. It's just little things too. I mean, I actually still have a storage unit that I'm trying to get out of now because I don't even know what's in it. Right. I got a little one, um, but it's like some clothes that I couldn't bring because it could literally, we packed our little SUV, not the big SUV. And if it didn't fit in the SUV or on top of it, it wasn't coming with us. So we have a little storage unit because, you know, there was a couple things like baby things that I thought I might still want memories and pictures, but the clothes and the shoes and the crap that I kept in there, I'm like, girl, I'm telling my girlfriend, listen, I don't want to spend money on that storage unit because first of all, I don't even know what's in it. Right. Second of all, I know there's a couple things, but I can get rid of that stuff. I, or I can give it away to somebody else who's in need of it. And, and, but there were emotional things. I mean, I'll tell you, I had my wedding dress still and like, talk about weirdness dealing with a getting rid of your wedding dress, talking to your boyfriend. And he's like, why do you want your wedding dress? I'm like, I don't know. Like, why do I want it? Why do I still have it? <laughs> like really weird things that you're just like, I don't know why I still have this. I mean, you know, and I watched Oprah a couple times that you've probably watched some of the other folks do this, where they talk about getting rid of your clutter, getting rid of your stuff, getting rid of your pictures. Well, it was the same thing. I mean, these are memories, but nowadays we can take a picture of it and it's on our phone and we have it in a file. We don't need these books. We don't need all this stuff. Right. So the biggest lesson was for me is, is to release and let go. Yeah. And be in the present moment. I think the most, the most thing that I've learned, the biggest 
moving um, is to be in the present moment more than anything. I know that sounds kind of cheesy because we say that, but when you don't have all this other stuff in the way of you, and I mean, like I like people, how do you live without Amazon? What do you mean how do I live without Amazon? I thought the same thing at first because I was a prime queen. But guess what? You start to use the mom and pop stores again. You start to find better products for cheaper prices that are more natural. Like you just get out of that environment. And, and, and I'm not saying it's all bad. It's just for me, I got caught up in it, especially living in Southern California. <laughs> sure, absolutely. Realism <laughs> capital of the world, right? Exactly. Um, yeah. And it's funny. I mean, I do. And we have Amazon Mexico and I've only really started using them because of COVID, I think the last year, but it's amazing. I mean, we had cases of wine delivered and <laughs> when the alcohol ban was on. <laughs> I love it. We just started using it myself. I literally started using Prime Amazon probably two months ago just to test it because I was like, because everybody, I have a couple of friends that still use it a lot. And I was like, well, I need some laundry detergent. I need a couple of those things that I don't find at one place here. Um, and so I can find it on Amazon Mexico. And sure enough, in two days, I had everything shipped. I was like, I know. Yeah. I'm an Amazon Prime Mexico freak. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah. I think it's it's only 99 pesos a month. So it's even, even less than the state. But um, yeah. And then we had friends visit in uh, December and she actually programmed her Amazon Prime US into our TV. So I get that. Um, and, you know, we don't watch very much TV, but um, it's kind of funny. You can have those things if you want them. But I agree with you. I think when you get away from it, and you you kind of unplug from that whole vibe, the consumerism and the materialism, it's, it is freeing. I mean, you, you know, you hit the nail on the head. And it's, um, yeah, it's like a, a, a weight gets lifted from your shoulders. I mean, really, it, you just do feel lighter um, by not having all of those attachments. Yeah. So, um, so let me ask you, I know um, you had moved from Canada to the United States and lived there for a long time. And then to Mexico, obviously, Canada and US culturally is more similar than moved down here. But um, was that a, that initial transaction um, transition pretty easy for you? I would say that was probably well. Listen, because I've moved my whole life, I'm used to making new friends. I'm used to doing like not that I like to. Okay, <laughs> it's not like I like moving, but but um, so it was difficult. I mean, it was difficult because I brought a suitcase at that time. I didn't have anything with me. And, um, and I had a whole business to transition. So it was difficult in the sense of just not, I really didn't know anybody. And so I think it's different because I moved here with, you know, my, my mom was here, my fiance. And so that's a little different. I think it was a little bit maybe more intimidating, but at the same time I was moving to San Diego. Um, all I could look at was the ocean and be happy with it. But that transition, I think it was more fear-based just because I was by myself, right? More just like me by myself here, um, it was definitely more exciting. And, and, and also it was, you know, we have our own car. So you, you, if you really, really hated it or something happened, I mean, I could obviously leave it on a plane or anything too, but I just felt like, um, I was totally fine. And, and I was never fearing Mexico either where people think, you know, do you fear living somewhere else? The other thing I did do too, is I lived in Guatemala every three months, I would go for one whole month. So I did that a few years before I moved to Mexico. 
Um, again, my mom was living in Guatemala because I have an orphanage there. So I asked my mom, do you mind living there? Because I would like to live there, but I don't want to move there by myself. And I couldn't really because my business at the time, at least I didn't think I could. Right. So I would go every month. So every three months I would live there for months. So let's just say in a year, I lived there four months of the year. So being doing that um, made me just like really want to do this big move. I, I, I wasn't... I. I didn't know I was going to do it. I mean, we literally came here and within 60 days we moved 60 wow. days. So we wow. had no plan like you have with the Academy. I would have gone through that plan because ours was a, like yours. You just learn and you figure it out. I have my uh, business partner just moved to Panama. So when he told me he was moving, of course, I wanted to give him my own course. And I told him a bunch of things, but I don't know if he listened, but because <laughs> there are some banking things that you need to pay attention to and, you know, all those things like that, that I'm sure Don, you help out with, but, um, but in general, honestly, it's, um, I, I would say it was the best decision. I have like maybe top three decisions in my life, but it was one of the best decisions I've ever made. Oh, that's so great to hear. Um, yeah. And I can't help but think that, you know, obviously that experience moving from Canada to the U.S., and then, of course, to Guatemala, that really kind of gave you that um, confidence, right? Yeah. Say that, yeah, I can do this. And um, yeah, 60 days. Wow, that's lightning fast. I mean, you know, even when we moved from California uh, to Florida, I mean, that was like a year long plan, right? And I guess it depends on how complicated your life is, mm-hmm. um, you know, how much real estate you've got to deal with, how much, you know, what's your business entanglement, exactly. you know, all of that. So the more complicated your life is, I think the longer lead time you need to. I think I tried to least, less, least complicate, less complicate after my marriage and divorce. Cause I had a house and I had this and that. And I was like, okay, I was already trying to minimalize my life. Right. So I think when you start to do those things and you have that philosophy, I think other things start to fall into place and it just kind of happens organically. So that really was you know, an easier transition because I was continuously minimalizing, minimalizing, don't need this, don't need this, you know, buying something, giving something away. Um, Just recently, you know, you move somewhere and all of a sudden we're here two and a half years. You're like, crap, I've got stuff I don't need again. So we did every day for 30 days, get rid of something plus one. So it was the first day, one thing, second thing, second day, two things. Every day you had to get rid of something more. And you know, there's, and I'm sure just like you, and just like in the United States and Canada, you can go down the street, there's somebody who's hungry, somebody who's needs an extra shirt, needs something. Um, and, and so it just feels good. Yes, absolutely. Yeah. And, you know, we never really throw anything away. Like we just set it outside the door. (laughs) Exactly. No, I just, we had, we had leftovers from this weekend. And so I just went in and I took all the leftovers over to our friends and you know, there's 10 kids that come out. They know that we're coming and we give them our pizzas or our leftover Chinese or whatever we had that we're like, okay, we're done. And I don't mean leftovers. Like it's bad. Cause I hate, I mean, when I get stuff for the orphanage, sometimes people said, Hey, you need some clothes for the kids that we have left over and they've got holes in them. I don't mean like that. We, they, they still had some good food to eat. Right. <laughs> right. right. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. And um, I don't know uh, how it was there, but I know one of the things that was so heartwarming here, you know, they, they didn't hand out, um, you know, $2,000 checks or $600 checks or anything here in Mexico. And it was really heartwarming to see the community come together 
And I mean, whether it was soup kitchens that the restaurant owners put together or expats that started out just going to buy uh, some diapers and wipes and ended up going every single day and receiving donations and, and making that like a full-time job, really. Um, one of my friends from Minnesota put a plug in there for Midwesterners, but uh, it was just, it was just amazing to see um, really. I mean, I, it was kind of like that when I was growing up in the Midwest, like in the winter time, if your car broke down, like you always stop to help someone because, you know, yeah. you freeze to death <laughs> otherwise. So it was, it was a different mentality, but it almost kind of reminded me of that sort of uh, community vibe that, I, I didn't really see too much in Southern California. I mean, not that there weren't nice people, but you just didn't have that same sort of... Um, the same thing. Listen, I lived in my complex for two years and I didn't know my neighbors. Now, it's just as much as my fault as it is theirs. I did go around and try to get cookies when I first moved there, but nobody's really home, right? Everybody's working. And, and, and that's, I think, the thing about living abroad is the sense of community. I mean, you still see horses walk by. You still see donkeys. You still see kids outside. You still... You know, there's a lot of um, old things that, you know, that just bring that community, I think. So I, I'm with you. There was so many different projects and still today, I mean, you know, we're still not out of this COVID thing. I mean, some, some places it feels like it and some places it doesn't in Mexico. But I mean, the reality is, is the business owners are suffering. You know, the, a, lot of, a lot of people, a lot of people here are still suffering. So um, anything that we can do to help, we always do, whether it's, you know, taking a family, we, you know, take a family out to dinner. We, we went and took dinner to them. Uh, we try to have intimate time with certain people too. Um, we've just 30 minutes from, from our place here. Unfortunately, there's no clean water. There's no drinking water. 30 minutes from where I live. And when we found that out, we were like, we have to be involved in this water project. So we're just, we're, we're continuously to educate ourselves and to, to serve the community. Because listen, when you live abroad, I believe that you should serve the community as best as you can. Try to speak the language. I think trying is better than nothing. I don't think you have to be fluent, but hey, if you want to. And, I, and that to me is that that's the beautiful thing is that when you do try and you just be part of the community, you are part of the family. Yes. Yeah, and they're, they're very forgiving. We'll be back in a moment. Isla Mujeres is a Caribbean jewel off the coast of Cancun. Castellito del Caribe warmly invites you to enjoy our spectacular oceanfront villa located in the heart of El Centro and a short walk to Playa Norte, which is ranked one of the top 10 beaches in the world. With an ocean view of crystal clear turquoise waters overlooking both the Caribbean and Cancun city skyline, we offer a fabulous location for you to enjoy all the peace and tranquility you're looking for on vacation, while also taking in all the excitement the island has to offer, with activities either in walking distance or a golf cart day excursion away. Please visit castellitocaribe.com, www.castellito. C-A-R-I-B-E dot com. We look forward to seeing you soon. Is it time to go? Are you starved for adventure and new experiences? Do you feel like you're slowly dying inside, just a little, day by day? Afraid of having to work forever, with never enough money to retire, or live the life you have always imagined? Life doesn't have to be that way. Instead, imagine waking up in paradise every day saying, pinch me, is this real? Join me 
for how to retire overseas on a shoestring budget. In this free live workshop, you'll walk away with your own custom roadmap to a dream life in paradise without breaking the bank. Register for our next free workshop at paradiseroadmap.com. Welcome back to the Overseas Life Redesign Podcast. Thank you so much for being here, and we invite you to subscribe if you like what you hear. It's really unique here. It's just, it reminds me of the interior of British Columbia, which is really where I'm from. Sure. So it's the Kelowna, Okanagan. Like, if you're Canadian and you've been there, that's what this is. Gotcha. Except for 75 to 85 Every day, no humidity, no dryness, no rain. So it's literally National Geographic said it's the second best place to retire in the world. Hmm. I'm like, first of all, I'm not retiring, right? <laughs> but um, but we only came here because my mom, she's she's lived in Belize, Ecuador, Costa Rica, Guatemala. And she's been, she, she for 10 years was a seasonal worker. She would do esthetician work for six months at a resort in the interior of British Columbia and then leave and try to figure out where she want to retire. So she would move to all these communities in different countries. And she kept on hearing about Lake Chapala, Lake Chapala, Lake Chapala. And we're big, like I'm big on the weather. So mom and I are, we don't like humidity. We don't like dryness. So it's almost impossible. San Diego to me was heaven, right? Right. Right. Except where it was still cool. I was like, it's still, I know I was always cold in California. Yeah. Still a little chilly. And that's why I said, if anything was five degrees warmer, five to seven, it'd be perfect. So long story short, she would, she got into retirement. She's 69 now. And uh, I said, she's like, I got to get out of here. She was in Canada, just finishing up some stuff. And I said, mom, go to that freaking Lake Chapala place. You, that's the last, like one of the places you keep on telling me you're not there. So she literally got on a plane two days later and she's been here four years. Wow. Okay. So it's the community probably and weather. The two things, there's 30,000 expats that live here and it's only 10 miles. Right. You right. know, from one little town to another. And, and, um, so people just love it. It is more retirement, but there's so many more youth moving here since I moved here. Like we have tons of friends that are in their thirties and forties, but I don't really care. I like people who are in their sixties, seventies, like <laughs> to me, it's like, whatever. <laughs> right. Right. Yeah. Well, um, I, I would be remiss if we didn't really talk about your orphanage. I know that's been a passion project of yours for a long time. And um, I would love for you to share, you know, kind of how that came about and, and what's happened through the years. Um, give sure. you an update of what you've been, been working on there. Well, we believe that, you know, you should always give back. And when I say we, my, my business partners and I, but it's really gone from my parents. I mean, I, I don't know. I've been volunteering since I was really young. I did child fine where you used to do fingerprints for kids and little kids. Was probably when I was 14, 15, I started to do volunteer work. So I've constantly just been doing that. So when I have a sales organization, I've always wanted to get them involved with community or service. And so we did the Boys and, Boys and Girls Club, the Make-A-Wish Foundation, awesome organizations. But unfortunately, when you're trying to collect from the same people and you're not getting the reward to see what they're doing, and sometimes they would show us, but the reality is too, is a lot of percentage of that money didn't go to them, to the kids. And it bugged us in a sense. I mean, I don't mind helping somebody's salary, but it still bugged me. 
And I've always wanted to help kids be my partners too. kids in trouble in youth, in trouble, abandoned, whatever that might look like. And so we, we said, you know what, let's find something out there that a hundred percent of the money will go to the kids and whatever that looked like. And my partner ended up being business partner ended up being on an airplane on a Southwest airplane, or was it so I don't, it doesn't matter what it was. It was actually a Legion or something like that. Not a very nice one. <laughs> And, uh, and this gentleman was wearing a bunch of Paul Sarah's bracelets, uh, the flight attendant and, and my, uh, business partner, Mike said, what is this for? Why are you wearing 50 of them on your arm? He said, I support an orphanage in Guatemala. Would you like one? <laughs> and Mike said, tell me more. We're looking for a project. And so Mike stroke a check for a thousand bucks right there. Just listen to a story. And it just gives me goosebumps thinking about it now because it's been 10 years and so Mike ended up getting pictures back with kids, little, little brown kids with all these cute little, you know, new, new shoes, new this. And my um, partner, my other business partner, so the two brothers said, we said, okay, well, anybody can send us pictures, but why don't we just forget? Let's go to Guatemala. Let's go see if this is real. What if it is? What if this is something that we really want to do? So it was a boys orphanage. So we flew out there with our niece and nephew and um, my niece, Danny, at the time was going to uh, the NY film school. So she brought her equipment with her and she filmed the whole entire thing, made a documentary out of it. I mean, a five minute little video out of it. But the long story is, is they're real. We're like family now. Um, we were able to bless them with a girl's orphanage because that's what they wanted because the boys and girls would get separated. And um, it's been seven years in May that we've been open and 10 years we've been involved. I guess 11 years now in May. And it's just Again, you know, Donna, it's one of those things that I didn't know. I knew that I wanted to give. I knew I wanted to serve. I knew we wanted to be part of something bigger. And um, we now have our own nonprofit um, called Work, Play, Love. And, you know, maybe 5 to 10% at the most goes to administrative cost. What I did realize is when you own a nonprofit, you have to, like, fund things. <laughs> so 100%, um, you know, went to everything at first. But then we're like, okay, we need to diversify a tiny bit of this funds a little bit. But we, we basically pay for the girls' orphanage to run on a monthly basis. We pay for all the salaries of the teachers, and we pay for the water and the electricity. So we um, have a program called the Hogar Heroes, Hogar meaning home and hero. So you pay $10 to $100 a month, whatever you can afford, and that goes to that. So we pay that monthly, so we have that. And then any excessive, we'll renovate the boys' orphanage. We helped build a Hope Academy, a girls' school. We're helping with another nonprofit do a trade school and a transition house. So we're continuously growing with the kids because the kids grow and like, what do you do with them when they're 18? We've already had some transitions that has not been so good and some that have been very good. So now we realize that our girls, because we got them, you know, around seven, they're starting to transition in the next couple of years. So it's very important that we educate them um, maybe not through the traditional sense because they might not have come to us till eight years old and they don't, they're not even in grade one yet. Right. So by the time that they're 18, they're not even in grade nine. So, you know, we have to do some stuff. So anyways, long story short, it's a blessing in disguise. You know, my business is very important to me, but my business brought me here. So if it wasn't for that, you know, like my business really found my purpose, which I didn't know uh, my purpose in life you know, passion, purpose in life. It's been amazing. And I do trips there every four months, not during COVID. Um, but I've been doing trips there every four months for 10 years. And I bring a group of people. So whoever wants to come on this podcast, whoever's listening, uh, feel free to get hold of me. And if you ever want to just come and check out a cool orphanage or get involved, um, we're, you know, we really just try to invite everybody and anybody that wants to come and serve. And we do 
Lots of stuff. Work means we work a little, play a lot, and love even more. Because I think some people don't realize that the kids just sometimes need you to play Barbies. Like, we don't need this painted room. We need you to love on these kids. And I believe that that's just not as important, if not more important than painting a room is to hang out with these kids, braid their hair, you know, play soccer with the boys, whatever it is. And um, so we have a really good time, but it is, is, a, is a huge passion of mine. Oh, that's so great. I and mean, it's so exciting to hear how it's grown through the years, because I know I remember the infancy of, of this project. And um, that's just wonderful to hear. Um, so is it uh, mostly uh, so individual sustaining donors that, that pledge mm -hmm. monthly? Um, yeah. Done any corporate? Um, I know we're try. We try to get in there. I've got an ambassador team that we developed actually more during COVID. But we we have um, something called the Super Bowl pool, and we've been running that now for about six years. So during Super Bowl, which I knew nothing about football, I knew nothing about Super Bowl, and I couldn't give a crap. But of course now I love it. But we run for a month and a half. Uh, my business partner Steve and I we run this, and we generated this year eighty thousand dollars. So 40,000 to the kids and 40,000 goes out to the winners. So yeah, people love Super Bowl. So we also have the Hogar Hero program. Now we have this. So this is why we can help out with Hope Academy, the girls school, the transition school. Um, but no corporate, if there's people here that are corporate, we are looking, I mean, corporate needs write-offs. Obviously they want to be part of projects. Um, so we have a couple different um, uh, corporations that are looking into different things that we're doing because we're diversifying too. doing a project here in Mexico, not just Guatemala for the water for the kids in San Pedro. So a lot of different things. But uh, yeah, if I, if I can get it out there and put it out there, we're looking we're always looking for sponsorship, too. <laughs> well, and I know um, when I, I was in uh, California, actually partly in, uh, in Florida as well, I was part of Rotary international and they had been involved with some pretty large water projects in Queretaro. Mm -hmm. um, so I don't know if you um, affiliated with them or, or checked out your local rotary clubs, but um, that was an amazing organization. I was just blown away with the, the projects that they would do. Yes, they are. They're very strict. I've, been, I've gone through a couple. Um, it's always good to know somebody in the rotary who can get you in. I've gotten talked to them and everything. Um, so I've done a lot of different presentations, but it's just, it's just, it's a luck of the draw too. You got to get them at the right time. And, you know, we actually had somebody that I met at a wine because it's very social here. We went to a wine club here and through that going to something social came about, um, actually it wasn't really a corporate donation, but a family donation through a foundation. And it was literally just because we met them and, and they heard our story. So, um, so there, there's so many avenues out there to go to, and I just keep on telling the story over and over. <laughs> well, and that's it. And, and it seems like there's, you know, in recent years, there's been a, a much larger push for social issues, um, on the corporate side as well. And so if they've got the budget, yeah, then they, they're looking for, you know, good, good programs to spend it on. So, um, yeah, that's, that's awesome. Um, well, you'll definitely have to give me the uh, link uh, so I can put the put that in the show notes and be able to to get the word out about that because uh, that's a that's a great um, program and there's such a need down in Central America as we know from the news and so forth. So, well, cool. Well, is there anything I did not ask you about, Miss Kim, that you want to share and? Final comments? I think so really, you know, I just say there's choices. I think what people don't realize is that 
there's choices. And now, I, okay, I, I'm, I was a single woman. I don't have children, but I did have a very successful business that I was able to transition here and work from anywhere. But I, I think that people use their kids, their schooling, their got to be near my mom, got it as an excuse not to adventure out to maybe something they really want to do. So I would say live your life, you know, like that doesn't mean ignore your family or ignore whatever. It just means seriously, live your life. You've got one that we know of (laughs) and, and, and live it like there's choices. So when people say you're so lucky, no, I'm not lucky. I made the choice. And you know, there was challenging times and there's different ways of, you know, there's always different challenging things, but I would just say, please like um, live your dream, you know, do your thing, do it your way. Um, because you've probably done it many other people's way for, for many years. And so do you, that's my big message. Yeah. Advice. Um, couldn't agree more. Well, thank you so much for your time. Um, Miss Kim, it's really great to reconnect with you and yes, you too. It's funny that we both moved to Mexico and now I said, we have to like, we have to go to each other's place and visit now. Absolutely. I can't wait. I have uh, itchy feet. I'm dying to travel. So get past this COVID uh, nightmare and be able to do that. Look forward to it. This episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast was brought to you by our sponsors. Thanks for tuning in. Did you love this episode of the Overseas Life Redesign podcast? Then please subscribe to our show and leave us a nice review. It's very much appreciated. We invite you to visit paradiseroadmap.com and register for our upcoming free live workshop, How to Retire Overseas on a Shoestring Budget. We'd also love for you to become part of our Live and Earn in Paradise Facebook group. Thanks for listening.